So with high sensitivity, what we're talking about is a personality trait. It's actually been linked to about 10 different gene variants that people have that leads us to deeper processing of the world around us, our own emotions and thoughts, as well as the emotions and actions of other people. So folks Mm -hmm. who are highly sensitive make up about 15 to 20% of the population. And it's really linked to this depth of feeling of thought being much more deliberate and thoughtful with your actions. So people who are sensitive pause before they act. And Hmm. that's why the original researcher who coined the term highly sensitive person, Dr. Elaine Arendt, she has called it a Uh, evolutionary advantage because, you know, back in the day, it was very helpful to have someone in the group who didn't rush out into danger. Hi, I'm Biz Cush, a life coach and therapist and your host here on the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. We're talking to women all over the world who found their way back to themselves, to their inner knowing, to their intuition, to their wisest self. We're exploring how to feel alive, authentic, engaged, and fully present in your life. Let's awaken your wise woman. Hi, and welcome back to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. I almost said the Woman Warriors podcast. It's still hard to, uh, I still get tricked up with that, that I'm so used to saying the old name of the podcast, but here we are as the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. And today I am super excited about my conversation with Melody Wilding. But before we jump into that, I was super happy to be able to spend Thanksgiving with my family, my mom and stepdad, my sister-in-law, her dog, two of my children. We all gathered here at my home and it was lovely. It just felt nice to have some of that normalcy back again. If you celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope that you all had a wonderful holiday or at least you made it through the holiday without, you know, with some positive feelings and took care of yourself. It's hard to believe it's December Things have just, it feels as if this year almost (laughs) at the same time, it feels like it crept so slowly because things were so much the same in terms of the, you know, resurgence of the pandemic and fear. And yet it went by so fast that we're approaching 2022, which is just, it blows my mind. So So let's talk about this interview. Actually, uh, we talked this past summer in July and because the podcast had been on hold and I had, you know, recorded a bunch ahead of time, just releasing it now, but I'm super excited to share this interview about her book, Trust Yourself, Stop Overthinking and Channel Your Emotions for Success at Work. And although she gears the book towards work success, I think many, many of the tips are so applicable to us in our everyday life as those of us who are sensitive, those of us who are sensitive strivers in particular, which is who the book is written for. 
And Melody shares that the messages she received as a child about her high sensitivity led her to stop trusting herself and her intuition. And so the book and her path to healing and regaining that trust in herself, she shares with us so many tips and insights into how we can rebuild that trust and move away from the self-doubt and feelings like we're an imposter or the imposter syndrome that can show up. So I hope you'll check out her book. But before we jump into her bio, I just want you to know that like later in our conversation, we're going to be talking about the six qualities of strive, sensitivity, thoughtfulness, responsibility, inner drive, vigilance and emotions and so or emotionality. And so stay tuned and you're going to hear all kinds of good stuff from Melody. So let me tell you a little bit about Melody. She is a licensed social worker and an executive coach for smart, sensitive, high achievers and the author of Trust Yourself, Stop Overthinking and Channel Your Emotions for Success at Work. She was recently named one of Business Insider's most innovative coaches for her groundbreaking work on sensitive strivers, and her clients include CEOs, C-level executives, and managers at top Fortune 500 companies such as Google, HP, Facebook, Netflix, Twitter, IBM, Citibank, J.P. Morgan, and others. Melody has been featured on the New York Times. Wall Street Journal, The Oprah Magazine, NBC News, and has spoken at Stanford University, Walmart, Amazon, and more. She's here to help you break free from self-doubt and imposter syndrome so you can use your sensitivity as the superpower that it is. Melody is a licensed social worker with a master's degree from Columbia University and a former research at Rutgers University. She's a professor of human behavior at Hunter College and is a contributor to the Harvard Business Review, Fast Company, Psychology Today, Forbes, and Business Insider. And I was happy that she agreed to be on the podcast. I was fortunate enough to hear her speak on imposter syndrome through my coaching mastermind with Lee Shea McDonough. And we made a connection through Lee and Melody and she agreed to come on. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you because trusting yourself is so key and important to living more authentically, feeling like yourself in your life and living your life from that home port of you. So let's get started. Hi, Melody, and welcome to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm really excited to talk to you. And I had the pleasure of hearing one of your trainings with Lee Shay McDonough about imposter syndrome, and it really so resonated with me and didn't even really connect you with your book. And then I don't know. I forget what I was like, wait a minute, that name sounds familiar. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, Mm -hmm. I know her. Not really, but, (laughs) (laughs) but for those in the audience, the listeners who may not 
know who you are. Could you share a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to write Trust Yourself, Stop Overthinking and Channel Your Emotions for Success at Work? Yes. So my background is as a licensed social worker. So I have now been doing coaching specifically for over 10 years. And my specialty has become working with people who are at the intersection of being both high achieving. So they put a lot of pressure on themselves to succeed. They set a lot of goals and and big goals for themselves, but who are also highly sensitive, meaning they think and feel everything more deeply. And I know we'll, we'll talk much more about this, but my background is, is in psychology and neuroscience. And so when I started out my career, saw a gap in the coaching world for people who really needed help managing their mental and emotional performance in the workplace to be more effective. Things like imposter syndrome or not taking feedback so personally or being able to let go and delegate more effectively rather than people pleasing. So Hmm. that's the work I've been doing now for 10 years. I also teach human behavior at the graduate level at a university here in New York. But this book specifically came about because I wanted a way to provide all the tools and strategies, the roadmap that's worked for my clients over the years. But it's also very much drawn from my own personal experiences, being the personality type I describe in the book. And growing up as someone who, uh, as a sensitive woman, really felt like an odd duck, <laughs> could, mm. could not figure out why I was so affected by everything so easily. I can even rem- remember as a child kind of sitting there wondering like, why am I, I feel like I'm feeling everything so deeply and none of the other kids seem to be noticing or nobody's like worried about anything. (laughs) I just remember feeling very different from a very young age. It's really been an amazing synchronicity to see those two, my, my personal, my professional path come together in that way. It's such a, I don't know, I think so rewarding to be able to work and having known or having benefited too from your own work, if if that makes sense, you know, being able to help others through steps that you yourself have taken and know the benefit of what comes at the other end. <laughs> yeah. So in your book, you talk about sensitive strivers. And I know I have had other guests on who talk about sensitivity and highly sensitive people, mm-hmm. but for people who maybe are coming to the podcast newly and don't know what highly sensitive Mm -hmm. traits look like, how would you describe them? Yes. And so a sensitive striver in particular is someone who is highly sensitive, a highly sensitive person who also has the high achievement streak in them. So Mm -hmm. with high sensitivity, what we're talking about is a personality trait. It's actually been linked to about 10 different gene variants that people have that leads us to deeper processing of the world around us, our own emotions and thoughts, as well as the emotions and actions of other people. So folks Mm -hmm. who are highly sensitive make up about 15 to 20% of the population. And it's really linked to this depth of feeling of thought, being much more deliberate and thoughtful with your actions. So people who are sensitive pause before they act. And Hmm. that's why the original researcher who coined the term highly sensitive person, Dr. Elaine Arendt, she has called it a 
uh, evolutionary advantage because, you know, back in the day, it was very helpful to have someone in the group who didn't rush out into danger, who was considerate and who was <laughs> vigilant of the surroundings and paying attention, noticing nuances that were happening and who was aware of other people's behavior and who was safe and who was dangerous, all very beneficial. And so that's why that trait has persisted today. Yeah. And it's, I mean, as a highly sensitive person, recognizing and this, like the recognition came later in life for me, but knowing how, like, especially for me in conflict, it takes me time. Like I have to process what, what's been like, what the conflict is about, how I feel, what it is I want to communicate. And sometimes that can't happen right in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, like that I, I need to step back and then re-enter the conversation. And that's hard to do, one, like it's hard to recognize the importance of that. But also being a person who also strives, like I want to mm -hmm. succeed and I want to, I work hard. It sometimes can bump up against that, you know, desire to just move forward. Let's yes. go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> very much attention, very much attention of two things. I completely understand that. Yeah. And so in your book, you describe these six steps of strive, yes. right? That that's kind of what you walk through people through with mm -hmm. the book. And I must admit, I didn't finish it, but have really enjoyed, I'm probably about halfway through just all the steps, but also the concrete sort of takeaways of like, okay, here's some worksheets to do, but yeah just validating each, you know, with each part of this strive component. So if you wouldn't mind kind of talking about what each, all those, the parts of strive and why, how we can work with each one in order to be more effective at work, but I think at home too, right? Yes, sure. So, so these qualities, you know, the upside of being sensitive and being a sensitive striver is you're, you know, emotionally intelligent and empathetic, but at the same time, when all of these different strive qualities, as I, I call them, when they're unbalanced can lead to some of the downsides of our traits, like overthinking, perfectionism, people pleasing. So mm -hmm. strive really came about because at least I find when people come to me, they're so overwhelmed by feeling like they have so much they want to quote unquote fix or change that they don't know where to start. So this is a way to dimensionalize the aspects of being a sensitive striver to help you prioritize where do you need to start first? So the S in strive is for sensitivity may seem very unsurprising, <laughs> but <laughs> specifically this refers to sensory sensitivity. So having that uh, more attuned nervous system response. So again, you're very, you're very aware of what's happening around you. You tend to have more intense reactions, which uh, allow you to be more alive and experience more, but at the same time can lead you to become overstimulated very quickly. And perhaps get overwhelmed, especially when put under pressure or you feel like you're being watched or observed. Mm. Then we have thoughtfulness. Thoughtfulness is our T in strive. And that is our capability to be reflective, intuitive, observant. When that is unbalanced can look like overthinking, doubt, uh, analysis, paralysis, for example, 
even being overly mm-hmm. self-critical of ourselves, we become so self-aware that we're almost self-conscious <laughs> of our own behavior. Then we have mm-hmm. our responsibility. This is where we start getting into the uh, striver side of things. So the R and responsibility is all about that. We are, we are loyal. We are dedicated. We keep our word and we follow through, but we can't bear to let people down. So we may sacrifice our own well-being if it, if it means meeting a commitment for someone else. Then there's I, that's our inner drive. We have the desire to be the best we can be, not necessarily to climb the ladder, but because we care about constantly evolving, growing, making an impact and a contribution. So again, beautiful traits to have, especially in the world of business, but sometimes we can take on too much, spread ourselves too thin, have too many goals set our goals too high where we become perfectionistic and set ourselves up for failure. Hmm. V is for vigilance and that's being attuned to our surroundings and specifically other people's behavior. So uh, as you probably know, this makes us very good at connecting with people, building rapport very quickly, but sensitive strivers I find tend to sometimes read into other people's behavior and assume there's threat or danger when that's Mm -hmm. not there. Like reading into the fact that someone hasn't responded to your email and that's why they hate you, for example. Right. Right. (laughs) Or your text or whatever. Right. Exactly. And then we have emotionality. That is our big feeling, having complex emotions, intense emotions, this also, the emotionality that we have also makes us very good at authentically persuading and influencing others uh, because we are able to understand others' pain points and desires and get them to take action, not in a sleazy way, but in a really authentic way for their best benefit. But of course, I think, you know, I've definitely experienced this, that sometimes your emotions can get the best of you and you may overreact or lash out or just get stuck in those intense modes of a feeling for way longer than you would like. Hmm. It's funny because, you know, I've, as I said, I've read the book, but as you were rereading them for me, you know, as I was hearing them, sort of the sensitivity and, and vigilance are like two of my, so yes, sort of picking up on my own emotional stuff, but others too. But also I noticed, well, I love, so if I'm in a crowded place, which can feel overwhelming sometimes, Mm -hmm. I love to people watch. So Mm -hmm. like sort of tuning into what they're experiencing. So we were listening to some music and there was a family dynamic playing out in front of me. And I was so absorbed in what I was interpreting Mm because I couldn't hear what they were saying that I was getting upset. Like I felt like there was this uncomfortable dynamic between the parents and the children. And I had to just like, okay, this is their, this is their stuff. Like I don't know them. And I just bring myself back to the reason I'm here is to listen to music and I really hadn't thought about it as a part of sort of the sensitivity piece, Mm -hmm. you know, but it, because it felt like a threat to me. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like what's happening here? I need to, and not that I was going to do anything about it because I didn't know the people, but, but I was very invested. Mm -hmm. I was in it. But anyway, and so I, I know that about myself, but I'm wondering with these strive, how did you describe them? Qualities. Qualities. Yes. 
where do the self-doubt and imposter syndrome kind of show up? Because I feel like for women in particular, there can be so much Mm self-doubt and so much that either keeps us quiet. I think boundaries too fall into that, like keeping us quiet, keeping us sort of in our lane versus stepping out and being our best selves. Yes. It weaves through all six of them, (laughs) but, but Mm. in different ways. So I'll give you an example with Mm -hmm. sensory sensitivity in particular, how I see imposter syndrome come out is in a freeze response when we're put under pressure. So clients Hmm. will also will often tell me if they're caught off guard in a meeting, for example, the thoughts in their head, the thoughtfulness is, oh my gosh, I don't have anything of value to say, but it immediately sends their system into a state of threat. So almost like a deer in headlights, they just freeze under pressure. And so, so much of the work I do with clients ends up being nervous system regulation under those pressure situations so that you are lowering your threshold of stress before you go into those potentially overstimulating situations that could send your imposter syndrome off the charts so that you have more resources to be working with. And that sort of response isn't triggered, but probably the most common, and I would say the, the stickiest place where imposter syndrome shows up is the, is thoughtfulness is the negative thoughts, the harsh self judgments we make not being good enough, smart enough, uh, being a fake or a fraud who just got here by chance and luck. And so it's all those problematic thoughts that then tend to fuel heightened emotionality, for example, making Mm. our emotions so much more intense because of the way we're interpreting, perceiving what's happening around us. That makes so much sense. Yeah, just thinking about thinking about how yeah the the sort of inner critic could lead you to just feeling overwhelmed by all the stuff you're piling on yourself for one, but then there's so little bandwidth to actually show up and if you were in a work situation, respond or bring forth your creativity or whatever it is you had to offer, and that might further make you feel like an imposter even more. Exactly. It becomes a very vicious cycle, right? That Mm. these, these thoughts and these reactions lead us to respond in certain ways. Like with imposter syndrome, most people respond with some sort of form of perfectionism. So doubling down, working harder, overcompensating to prove that you're worthy, or Mm. we see retreat procrastination, avoidance, not raising your hand, trying to hide because doing any of those things would reveal that you actually don't know what you're doing. And so I tend to see those two kind of camps come about, Mm -hmm. but then Mm -hmm. that behavior then reinforces the thought that I am an imposter and I'm not good enough. And so what we have to work on doing is breaking that cycle and then reversing it to be a more virtuous one where you're thinking different thoughts, you're taking different actions, you're getting different results. Yeah. And so some of your worksheets really sort of walk you through like the thinking different thoughts, kind of analyzing or evaluating like the worthiness of I'm a fraud. I don't know anything. They all hate me, whatever it is that Mm -hmm. you might be coming up with and finding more reasonable ways to think about what the situation is, Mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like so much a part of this, your work and, and the book's work is really 
getting your clients and whoever's reading the book to tune inward, right? To sort of look at what's happening for you in these moments with compassion so that you can trust that you can step forward in whatever in whatever way it might be. Does that sound right? Exactly. Because as, as people who are sensitive, we have been told our whole lives to stop being so sensitive and to quit taking too much. You're too much. Quit taking things so personally. Why don't you grow a thicker skin? And Mm. we internalize those messages. And at least for me, I, I took those to mean that something was wrong with me, that something was fundamentally a flaw within me. And that then led me to stop trusting myself to stop listening or never cultivate my intuition, even though I, I, I have a very strong intuition as much as I (laughs) have, Mm. have not uh, listened to it at times, but we end up looking externally. We, because of that heightened vigilance for the surroundings, we're observing other people's behavior. We get very attached to the expectations other people have of us. And, you know, as high achievers, we, we always want to get the A plus and the gold star. And so that combined can lead us far away from ourselves, from defining what success means to us or living our lives in the way to accommodate our own needs rather than the other 80% of people. Hmm. Yeah. And I would imagine accommodating our own needs, part of what's uncomfortable around that for sensitive strivers is that it does mean that we're going to have to say no or set boundaries in a way that supports us, but it also is healthy for the relationship too. I mean, I remember one of the examples you gave in the book was a woman who, I guess somebody was a subordinate under them and they went right to the boss to show the work they'd done on a website or something. Mm -hmm. And the struggle that she had, which I could so identify with, was that like, now I have to confront this person to say like, you shouldn't step over my head to take this right to the boss. Like the chain of command is this, this is how you're supposed to do it. You know, even though he'd done this great work, you know, Mm -hmm. that the work he had done was valuable, but he wasn't following the rules or whatever. Yes and boundaries that that were in place, but that he chose not to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if for your clients, that's a one of the places that's really so important to help support them and trust themselves around making these boundaries that are healthy and solid for them. Absolutely. Boundaries is, is so key <laughs> to everything mm-hmm. I do, both, both external boundaries, the ones you set with other people, as well as internal boundaries, the ones you that are invisible that you set within yourself around how much you allow other people's expectations, opinions, feedback to influence you and your behavior. So mm-hmm. with external boundaries, one framework that I talk about in the book is really using your emotions as a guide, as data to figure out where you even need to set stronger boundaries because us sensitive strivers, you know, we we're scared. We feel guilty asking for what we need. And we all often don't know where that line lies of what we need to say. Yes. What we need to say no to. And so mm-hmm my golden rule for boundaries. Again, the the entire framework is in the book, but Mm -hmm. there's, there's one key emotion and that is resentment. And Mm. anywhere where you feel that outsized sense of resentment, of 
indignation, bitterness towards a person or a situation, that is a very good emotional sign that you need to set some limits. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, if we could just like have that tattooed on our forehead yes. or something or inside <laughs> our eyeballs so we could see it. But yeah, because resentment then builds over time and suddenly the working relationship or even personal relationship gets sticky and uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you're doing something, you know, at the end of the day, setting boundaries in that situation is an act of kindness for the other person because you doing something under duress or out of a sense of obligation isn't good for anyone. It's going to backfire at, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm curious about the, the internal, I think you said yeah. internal boundaries, yes. like two. So becoming more attuned to our own, I guess, emotional state in terms of the boundaries, but talk to me more about that. I, I'm curious about that. Yes. So, you know, this is uh, a big one I've seen really come about as a result of the pandemic where we are at home all the time. <laughs> For most people, <laughs> we've lost some of the boundaries and compartmentalization we had between work and home and some of those demands, whether, you know, no matter what sort of profession you're in, but especially for the type of people I work with, they were used to going into the office and then they would leave everything at their desk, have their commute to sort of decompress and show up at home. And it was much easier to shut things down. But during the yeah. pandemic, all of that went away. And all of a sudden, many more people were confronted with this fact that they couldn't escape work. And so, you know, that, that bad meeting that happened with your boss earlier in the day is still haunting you at nighttime. And a lot of clients mm -hmm. were coming to me talking about having trouble sleeping or being at the dinner table with their family and just being distracted, replaying these situations. And so a great example of internal boundaries is building the discipline and mechanisms for being able to process that and let that sort of information go so that it doesn't bleed over into all of the other parts of your life. Yeah. Well, and interestingly, I, I can recall a few clients um, in the heat of the lockdown, you know, the, during the pandemic that mm -hmm. they were saying they were working from home, but that it didn't make, it actually extended their workday because now they didn't have that commute that took them either to or from work that suddenly they began work at the time that they would have started their commute. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden their work days were like 15 hours long versus eight hours or whatever it was. Yes. And I could just feel for them that that sense of almost not being able to say, I'm not going to turn my computer on or check my email until nine o'clock when I normally would have gone to the office mm -hmm. or whatever time it might be. Yeah. Yeah. And just feeling like, yeah, that work was with you all the time. Exactly. Exactly. No separation. Yeah. Yeah. So you also work into this, the, the, the steps in the book is really part of the work is like tapping into your values as a human too, right? Like what matters to you to help you sort of define how you want to be in your work life, but also create and set those boundaries or mm -hmm. ask for what you need and all of that. And so tell me, how do you help people really identify and work with those core values? Because sometimes that's hard for people, I think. 
Yes. And that's the exact reason I included it as a chapter in the book, because, you know, most sensitive strivers have never slowed down. (laughs) We're, we're moving Mm. so quickly. We're responding to everything that's in front of us that we have never slowed down to think about this, or we're so Mm. attached to that definition of success that we see presented for us that we've never paused to step off the train and wonder how might I need to define it differently for myself? Even if that's goes outside the norm of what someone else may desire or aspire to be like. Mm -hmm. So with your values, there is a whole assessment in the book that walks you through that. But one of the most telling exercises I find is to think about the peak moments of your life, times in your life when you have been at your best, you have been your happiest, most contented self. You feel like you are making an impact or a contribution. Everything's just flowing. Mm -hmm. What was happening then and what values, what principles may lie beneath the surface of those situations or tie through all of them? Is there a certain theme that binds through all of those different situations? Yeah. Yeah. I I was thinking of like, yeah, service to others or, or kindness or Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Good work, you know, solid, um, putting yourself fully into the work. Mm -hmm. But I would imagine that as you're all of these steps, but too, as you're better able to define your values, that makes it easier to set internal and external Mm -hmm. boundaries, which then makes it easier to learn to trust yourself as that work sort of is successful, kind of, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Your your values definitely act like a filter or even a compass to what's important to you. So in the book, I talk about using your values as a filter for emotional reactivity. So if you're having a bad day, check in with your values and ask, you know, what can I do that gets me closer to that value of being, being of service, for example, can Mm -hmm. you're having a rotten day. Could you send a email to a colleague, for example, letting them know uh, how they were helpful to you? Can you leave a review for an author (laughs) whose book you recently (laughs) enjoyed, for example, what can you do to give back or, you know, buy coffee for the person behind you in line at Starbucks, for example, something that's going Mm -hmm. to give you a little bit of that boost and help you regulate your own emotions. Hmm. That's awesome. That's really great. And I mean, it, because it's, to me, it's amazing how something small, like, a, yeah, writing a nice review or yeah, buying someone a coffee without them knowing it, like, I don't know, it just can just shift that dynamic of feeling bad, feeling terrible, putting down on yourself to this other sense of trusting yourself, but also feeling good about yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Feeling like you're taking action on the things that are most important to you. And Mm. a concept I talk about briefly in the book that I actually wish I spent more time on is the idea that you gain confidence and trust in yourself with the number of promises you keep to yourself. And so Mm. if you have defined that, you know, for me personally, independence is a huge value of mine. There's a reason I work for myself and that's a big one (laughs) is, is independence and really being able to have control and agency over my own time and how I want to spend my day. And so, you know, the more that I honor 
that value of independence, the more credibility I earn with myself as, oh, I say I'm going to do something and then I follow through on what's important to me. And that just builds the sense that you are someone who can be trusted just like, you know, anybody else in your life, you, you look for them to keep your, their commitments to you and that's how you gain trust in them. Yeah. Well, and that idea that, which sometimes I'm not sure people recognize is that, yes, like you can build that trust in yourself by those acts of yes, following through and living with you through your values. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's pretty cool. I like that. I like that a lot. So if there were one thing that you feel that be important for sensitive strivers to hear if they're struggling, if they are, have been burnt out at work or just feeling undervalued. Yeah. What would you like them to know? We talked about a lot of the principles from the book today, but I, I think fundamentally the one I always come back to is that your sensitivity, your ambition, that combination is a tremendous strength. What mm. we know is that managers consistently rate people who are more sensitive as their highest contributors. And if you look at any sort of future of jobs report about what's, what are going to be the most valuable skills only five years in the future, it's things like empathy, emotional intelligence, problem solving, critical thinking, working with people, everything that sensitive strivers are high in. And so the key message of the book is to trust yourself. And I hope that everyone listening realizes the tremendous gifts they have inside of them and leverages them as, as the full benefits that they are. Mm, that is lovely and such a great message. And I, I must say, you know, the cover of the book with the trust yourself being, you know, bolder than the other words that it makes you want to open it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I want that. I want to trust myself. Mm-hmm. And that's lovely. It's a lovely message. And yeah. I really appreciate your coming on the podcast and talking about your book, but but just kind of helping all the listeners, but hopefully the sensitive strivers out there better value themselves and get to know all their parts that need need support and compassion too. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. So how do people find you, Melody? You can find me at my website, melodywilding.com. You can find the book there as well, or wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your local bookseller. It's everywhere. Yeah. And you're on social media too, right? I am. I'm on all of the social channels at Melody Wilding. So you can find me there. Nice. Awesome. Very good. Well, thanks again. And yeah, I wish you great success on your book. Thank you. Well, for all you sensitive strivers out there, I hope that you took away some gems from this conversation that I had with Melody and her book. Trust yourself because that is so, so important. As I keep saying, like trusting yourself is one of the best gifts that you can give to you. But we have to learn sometimes how to value and trust ourselves, especially if we are a highly sensitive person. But even if we've just grown up in a household where it was hard to show up fully and 
if others don't have trust in us, it can be really hard to learn how to trust ourselves. My big takeaway, even though we didn't talk a whole lot about this, but I think it just speaks to the whole body of work of Melodies and the book itself. When she said that you build confidence and trust in yourself by the number of promises you keep to yourself. That's pretty amazing. Pretty powerful. Yeah. So just think about that. How many promises are you keeping to yourself? I hope over the next couple of weeks, you keep some promises to you because you are your best supporter and you matter. If you want to follow the podcast or stay in touch with the podcast, you can sign up for our newsletter. If you go to elizabethcushcoaching.com, there is a sign up form there. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Instagram and Twitter are at Woman Warriors and Facebook is Awaken Your Wise Woman. So follow us there and stay in touch. To all of you wise women out there, I salute you and I look forward to connecting next time. Thanks for listening to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Music by Andy Cush, sound editing by Laura Disler, and show notes by Kathy Cush. If you'd like more information about me, Biz Cush, and the resources shared today, go to awakenyourwisewoman.com.